Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. If I were to ask your kids, on your disciplinary procedures at home, I wonder if they would say you were a tough guy or gal or were a softy. I wonder if you, like me, tried to play one parent against the other when you were growing up. I'd go ask my dad, can I do such and such? What'd your mom say? Well, I hadn't asked her yet. Well, go ask your mom. Mom, can I do such and such? What'd your dad say? He said, come ask you. I think he really wants me to do it, but he said, come ask you. No. Because she was, she was a little softer to, to try and convince it into my direction than he was. Especially if it cost any money. If it cost any money, you know, I was about to get a 10-minute speech on why that wasn't a good idea. So, especially if it was his money, for sure. But um, in reality, we oftentimes discipline our kids like we were disciplined. Unless, as I said before a couple of weeks ago, we see a different default system, a different pattern, a different aim and motive to, to, from which and to which to raise kids. And so we talked a little bit last week about God's plan for discipline. I want us to see some specifics this week. We, we've referred in this series of Family Matters um, to Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 6. I want to read for you verses 1 through 4 of Ephesians 6 as it deals with kids and their parents. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Do not exasperate, do not provoke to anger your kids. This picture that you're about to see is, anybody know what that is? Any guesses? It's a prosythia bush. If you go to my house, if you go to the house I was raised, there are four or five prosythia bushes out front. If you go to my house, where I am, there are none, no prosythia bushes whatsoever and will not be any. And here's why. I had to go pick my own switch off that, those prosythia bushes. And I, I got a little wiser as I grew a little older. I got bigger, bigger switches that, that were bigger in diameter bring them to my mom, who would then do one, <laughs> you know, pull all the leaves off. And the bigger the switch, the more guilty she felt for hitting me hard. So it, it would come a little softer. If I, if I brought a small, smaller switch, a little more whip action involved, she felt a little less guilty when it would lay it, at, lay it into me. But, um, so the bigger switch I found was my key. But I don't have a fond appreciation for forsythia bushes like maybe some of you do. They're beautiful bushes, I'm sure. You would just not see me in my yard at my house because of how warped I've been by those bushes. But parental discipline is, uh, whether, whether, whether or not you are pro-corporal punishment or against corporal punishment, parental discipline is an essential in the life of your kid. They need to know and see and understand consequences and decisions have consequences. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. But I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to spend the bulk of our time with these, these three things that we'll look at out of the 12th chapter of Hebrews here today. 
Let's look, if you will, at verses 4 through 11 of Hebrews chapter 12. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as children. It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his child. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children, for what children are not disciplined by their fathers? If you do not discipline and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate children at all. Moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us as we respect, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? Our, our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Now, three things I want us to see quickly from this text today. First of which is this, is that there is a prescription for discipline. In fact, these, these verses that we just read, 4 through 11, are God's prescription for how he disciplines his own children, you and I. There also should be metaphorically teaching and instruction for how we should discipline our children as well, such that as we see his discipline in our lives, we in turn return that into the lives of our kids. It gives us a glimpse into God's parenting style and his design consequently for ours. Uh, his design for both for us and for our children is to correct us, to put limits on us, to put boundaries in place. Now, this mic here that John uses every week, just used this morning, has a limiter on it. He gets kind of excited sometimes as he gets, gets to singing, and, and thankfully so. I'm glad he does. But it's set so you hear, hear the soft parts loud, loudly enough, but the loud parts that he really wants to belt into, there's a limiter on the channel that that mic's plugged into to limit the volume where it only goes so high. Kind of the same design of what he's talking about here, to, to, to put boundaries in place, to put safeguards in place so that you and I don't step into sin, don't step into disobedience. That's exactly our motive for disciplining our kids, to put boundaries in place for them so that they don't step into disobedience and don't have to suffer the consequences of it. Now, <clears throat> the boundaries need to be consistent in your home from child to child. You can't have different rules for, for, for each kid. You need, need to have consistent boundaries, yet how you uh, implement those boundaries and, and how, how you instruct and, and the method of, of by which you use to correct it's probably going to be different kid to kid because your kids are different. You got, you got one kid, you got one set of boundaries. You got five kids, you got five set of boundaries, but five different ways to deal with those kids when they step outside the boundaries. Our girls, for example, as they were growing up, we had a rule that there's no food in the bedroom. We didn't want ants and bugs and critters and mice and anything else, uh, left, left, things left in there for them to eat. So we said no food in the bedroom. Well, when we would find food in the bedroom, <clears throat> To discipline Hannah, our oldest for it, we take away some books or anything tactile that she could do. Huge punishment for her. In fact, I could look at her the wrong way and she'd start crying. But uh, we take away anything tactile for her, any story to read, and she was just beside herself with nothing to do. Kenzie, on the other hand, you could take away every book she owned. She could care less about it. She she was more relational to people. If you if you isolated her, put her in timeout or made her go to bed earlier or what, what have you. 
it totally got the attention for her because she wanted, she was social. She wanted to be around, around folks. Same, same consequence, different consequences, same rules, same set of boundaries. Dealing with kids in different ways because they're wired differently. Kids are, as I said, you have five kids, you got five different ways to look at how I get their attention. But this is his, his prescription for how to discipline our kids because of how he disciplined us. Second thing I want to see from this text is the motive for discipline. The motive for discipline, look at verses 5 and 6 again. He says there, and have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as children? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord, watch this, disciplines those he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a child. The motive then for discipline, all discipline, is love. If you're motivated by something besides love as you discipline your kids, that's a dangerous, dangerous uh, uh, area to step into. Uh, that's also a concept that only an adult is going to understand. Your kids aren't going to get it until they get older. You are disciplining them and correcting them out of love. Uh, don't expect them to get it. They're not going to get it, until, as I said, until they get older. Uh, it's also very important that we discipline them out of love instead of anger. Uh, in fact, if anger is your motiva motivation for a lot of your discipline, it, it, you need a parental timeout aside from your kid. Just take a if you're too angry to discipline, and sometimes I've seen that, I've been that, I've been in that shape myself. Take a step back, take a deep breath, kind of think about the how big is this issue that I'm making? Am I making this issue bigger than it should be? And so, oftentimes, if if, if there's anger involved, uh, and I get it, I understand if if your kid knowingly, willingly went outside the boundaries and broke the rules, it, it makes you upset. I get it, but we should never discipline in anger. Or out of anger, uh, discipline out of love, because anger is about punishment. Love is about redemption. If my motive to, to, in, in discipline in anger is to make sure they get punished, I'm going to see to it that the punishment is is weighed pretty heavily. If my motivation is love, and I want them to see why I'm punishing punishing them the way I am, and in, in, in the manner and method that I am, and I'm going to see that they they understand. I want, I want you to turn a 180 from this. We don't need to keep revisiting this same, this same issue again and again and again. I want you to see the value in doing something different and heading in a different direction. You want, your, you want your discipline, all discipline, to be redemptive. That's why it needs to come out of love instead of anger. Now, your kids will understand the difference in those two as they get a little older. They won't get it pretty young, but they'll, they'll get it as they get older. And they'll either resent you for it if you discipline them out of anger, or they'll love you for it if you discipline them out of love. Uh, it's, it's, it's a good idea to tell them what you're doing and why you're doing what you're doing. That's, that's our motive. His love for us and our love for them. Not only does this text talk about the prescription for discipline and the motive for discipline, it talks about, thirdly, the goal of discipline. Look at verse 11. The goal of discipline says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. The goal of discipline is simple. It's to teach obedience. It's to teach obedience. Uh, and you are doing that so that this transference of obedience to you can, as they grow older, first of all, accept Christ, learn to make decisions for themselves, learn to be obedient to him. If they recognize and are, are, are obedient to your voice, they'll have a far easier time recognizing his voice and being obedient to him. That, that transference is what you're trying to teach. 
You don't tell them that up front. They'll get that as they accept Christ and as they grow older and more mature. But that's, that's the goal is, is obeying your voice so that they can in turn learn to obey God's voice. Our words consequently and our actions need to be consistent with those things. Uh, you, you've, you've heard these parents, you may have been this parent that says, you wait till we get home. When we get home, you're going to get it. You know what needs to happen when you get home? They need to get it. Don't, don't threaten them in the store and do nothing when they get home. They understand that there's no consequence to this behavior as long as, as long as I'm misbehaving in public in front of others, I'm safe. You need, there need to be consistent boundaries and consistent discipline as you get home. You need to follow up what you say with what you do. Uh, there, this, there needs to be short-term pain for long-term gain. And pain looks different kid to kid, as I said, because they're all, all, all wired differently. However, if there's no pain, there's no gain. Again, whether you're a corporal punishment person and believe in spanking or not, I, I do believe in that. I, I spanked my own kids. I, I got spankings myself because it got my attention. It wasn't about the physical pain. It was about the disappointment that had to occur to, to stoop to that level, to have to spank your kids. Or, as I said with Hannah, oftentimes I could just look at her the wrong way and that's plenty, plenty correction enough. She understand. She understood my disappointment and didn't want to disappoint again. And so whether that's whether that is, is, is time out or, or, or a, a good talking to or whether it's a spanking or whatever, where, whatever it needs to be, there needs to be pain. If there's not any pain, the consequence is not going to be severe enough for them to learn from their behavior. Uh, and, and consequently, painful consequences may be different year to year as your kids grow and mature and they, they, they start to get it and understand a few, a few more things as they get older. Uh, Proverbs 13, 24 says this, that he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Meaning, if you're a, if you're a spanking parent, don't do that in anger again. Don't t take a time out before you visit that form of correction. It needs to be done and, and administered in love. Uh, Dan Fogelberg had a great line in a song about his dad. He described his dad as a person who had a thundering velvet hand. I thought, man, what a great metaphor for knowing when the discipline needs to be softer, knowing when it needs to be heavier, knowing, the, knowing when the consequences need to be more severe, knowing when the lesson, that, lesson that's taught itself, you don't have to, I mean, the natural consequences of the decision they've made, has, they've learned the lesson from it, you don't need to say another word. That a good and faithful parent will, will read those kinds of things into their kids. They'll understand how their kids respond to things and, and will accordingly let the consequences take care of themselves or bring about consequences that get their kids' attention one or the other. It's, it's your responsibility as a parent, in short, to see further than your kids see. Because all they can see is this situation in this moment. And you're seeing adulthood. You're seeing how they're going to parent their own kids. You're seeing those kind of consequences down the road as you discipline your kids today you're seeing tomorrow, or you should. That's your responsibility to see, not theirs. Uh, but that's why this idea paints here in verse 12. Later on, however, he says, it produces the harvest of righteousness. You need to see the later on. As you discipline your kids today, you need to see what the value in, in what tomorrow is going to hold for them and the fact that they're, they're going to understand why you, you've disciplined them the way you, you have. Uh, so understand and see the later on. Uh, with small children, your goal should be obedience. Obedience versus defiance. Uh, 
kids that are making mistakes that don't realize it's a mistake, understand understand the, the shallowness of that uh, that, that step, step aside and deal with it accordingly. If kids know what they're doing is wrong, in fact, if, if your child is like my youngest daughter was, one of these, they know it's wrong, they're looking to you to see how, you, how you're going to respond. Um, don't allow defiance. If you allow defiance <clears throat> in your home, they're going to expect they can defy God as well. So nip defiance in the bud in your home. I encourage you strongly to don't, don't allow them to, to knowingly and willingly do wrong or, or, or be defiant because your goal for them is obedience. Because, as I said earlier, that transference from obedience to you to obedience to God is your end game. That's your goal. Uh, for preteens, um, the goal is responsibility. That's why routine is your friend. That's why clearly exp explaining the expectations are your friend with preteens. They need to be in a routine, and that routine needs to be consistent, and there needs to be follow-through to make sure they're doing what they're supposed to do. Chores, whatever you, you've assigned for them to do, that routine needs to be consistent, and the expectations need to be clear. For teenagers, it's about choices, how they choose to, the kind of friends they choose, what they choose to do with money, what they choose to do with their time, what they choose to do with how they, the kind of clothes they wear, the kind of music they listen to. Decisions have consequences. The choices they make have consequences. And teenagers are old enough to start to learn, if I decide to head in this direction, there's a consequence to pay for that. It may be on me, it may be on others, but there's a consequence to pay. So consequently, set goals for, for teenage kids. Uh, set some markers for them to say, let's, let's, let's get to making a better decision about this area next week or tomorrow. Or if you're expecting to be driving when you're 16, you need to be, be doing this and this and this and this by the time you're 16. You need, to, you need to have conquered this area of temptation or unwillingness to follow the rules or whatever, and you're not going to drive uh, or you're not going to do some other things you want to do until that's this line of disobedience is taken care of. Set some goals, allow natural consequence to occur and teach valuable lessons, but also uh, make, make their, their punishment consequential as well as teenagers because they need to see the choices they make have consequences. Dr. Richard Meyer in 1989 of the Minerth Meyer Clinic uh, launched a case study. This graphic you'll see on the screen. He launched a case study that dealt with four types of parental discipline. There was the permissive parent, the neglectful parent, the authoritarian parent, and the authoritative parent. That's what he found. Now, the permissive parent is, is, is a home where there is high love and low discipline. The, the neglectful parent, what he found was there is low love and low discipline. In the authoritarian parent, he found low love and high discipline. But in the authoritative parent, he found high love and high discipline. That's what we need to seek for. That's what we need to push for. That's, that's the direction we need to head as parents to where there is high love. Our kids know that they're loved and that they're disciplined out of love, but that, that discipline is consistent. It's consequential. I, I, it, it's designed to correct and guide me into a lifestyle for my good and for my betterment. Not, not necessarily what I want to be true all the time, but what is true. And I understand that there's authority in place. The authority in my home is my parent. The authority as I leave my home is my God. And those, those, those need to be clearly explained, and, and that discipline needs to occur out of high love and high discipline for that authoritative parent. Well, 
This is all great. <clears throat> and all but my kids have already seen some failures on my part. I've not handled things the right way as a parent all the time. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I may have reaped some of the consequences of that. What do I do today? I would encourage you in this direction to start where I am, start where you are, and adjust to where God wants you to be. What you've seen last week and what you've seen this week is God's plan and design and framework for discipline, both generically and specifically this week. Uh, start where you are and move to where you see the Scripture teaching. Don't expect that to change over a 24-hour period, especially if your kids are already teenagers. I would, I would sit down with them and say, hey, I've not gone about this the right way, in part because I knew better and I was too afraid to do it, in part because I didn't know better and now I've learned some different methods, different concepts. We're going to head in a different direction in this home, and I'm going to expect you to abide by that. The fact that I've made mistakes, I'm, I'm asking for your forgiveness for it, but we're not going to continue to head in the same direction. We're going to make some changes. Uh, let that be, let that be the, the mantra that your kids learn to live by and, and trust you for it because, as I said, you, we're heading, this, heading in, this, in, in this direction because I love you, I care about your future, and I want you to grow up to, to hear and obey the voice of God. So start with where you are, and adjust to where he wants you to go. So you ask, great, how do I do that? Well, you do that through his word and through the wisdom of a mentor. And I hope you've already seen today, this week and last week, and a little bit next week, that his word is really clear about some of these things, about how he disciplined kids. I want it to be the authority for you, not because I said it, not because my mom and dad disciplined me that way, but you're, you need to be, to be, first of all, convinced of the authority of the word of God, and secondly, have enough courage to put it in place and trust it. I'm going to tell you, it works. I've used it my entire, my entire life. It works every time. If I stray away from it, do, go, go my own way, do my own deal, it's usually on me and I suffer the consequences for it. The principles of this book work every time you put them in place. So I encourage you to use this book as your authority, as your guidebook, as your, as your syllabus for, for parenting. And then seek the counsel of, of a mentor that's ahead of you on the path. And don't find somebody that's kids are, are out in the world. Uh, find somebody who, who is, who you, you can see the track record, track record of, of how their kids respond to people, how they handle different situations. Seek their counsel. Seek the counsel of someone who's, who's done it well, not perfectly, none of us do it perfectly, but the counsel of someone who's done it well. Seek their wisdom and their guidance as to how to implement and put some of the things you've seen from Scripture into place in your home and in your world. Your grandkids and their grandkids depend on how you handle these kinds of things. So don't, don't, don't depend on generational correction naturally occurring. Correct it as you know to, to correct it today, and you'll prevent a lot of heartache, a lot of disobedience, a lot of disappointment, a lot of, I wish, I, I wish mama, I wish you'd told me, dad, I wish you'd told me this, you know, when I was 15, 16, 21, 28, 30. <laughs> I wish you'd told me this. I'd like to have known this before. Uh, I, I wish I'd known the consequences of this decision to be s as severe as they are. Uh, you owe that to your kids. God, is, as we looked at last week, he's placed you as a steward in their life. But you don't own them. They belong to him. But they, he's given them to you for a season to guide, to correct, to instruct, instruct to nurture, to, to, to mentor. And uh, that's a tremendous, tremendous responsibility. See it, seize it, and use the principles of, of this book 
to be, to be your framework for how you guide and direct and discipline your kids. I'm telling you, they'll, they'll grow up to be godly kids if you'll do that. Are you going to make mistakes? Sure you are. You're going to blow it from time to time. Apologize and move on. But seek his word. Seek a godly mentor. And God will use those things in your life and in your world and in the lives of your kids and, and, and grandkids to make some corrections that otherwise would uh, probably bring a lot of heartache without, without those corrections being made. So see the value in them. Have the courage to step into it, knowing and believing they're going to work. Let's pray. Father, today you've, you've reminded us from your word, from these words in Hebrews, of how you deal with us as a parent and we your children, of how we should also impart those kind of principles and, and guide, guidances and directions in place for our own kids. You discipline us, the scripture says, because you love us. For what father do, doesn't love their kid and, and, and discipline them, bring them back, correct them because of it. You do that in our lives. We're to do that in the lives of our own kids. We're not their buddy. We're not called to be their buddy. We're not called to be their friend. That relationship changes in, 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 as both grow to be adults. But we are their guide. We are their corrector. We are their, 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 their the, the steward of how they live life. And so as you've given us those responsibilities and, and given us instruction in your word of how to impart those things and put them in place, help us to stand on them. It's hard. Each of us want to be loved and liked by our kids. That's going to occur if we're, if we're firm enough to stand where we need to stand when they're young. They'll come back when they're old and say, thank you for teaching me what you taught me. Thank you for standing where you stood. So let these principles sink in. Find a rooting place. Find a home. And, and let godly kids who grow up not only to respect their parents, but respect and obey their God, let that be the outcome of these kinds of changes that we make. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ. 